I'm Mike Vardy. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash productive convo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there, and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now... You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast.
This week on the podcast, I had the pleasure of speaking with Wendy Sachs. She is the author of Fearless and Free, How Smart Women Pivot and Relaunch Their Careers, and she's a master of the career pivot. Uh, We talked about a lot of great stuff, but she's got an amazing background. She's an Emmy Award-winning TV news producer. She's worked at Dateline NBC, Fox, CNN. She's also worked at Capitol Hill as a press secretary, a public relations executive, a CNN contributor, content strategist, and the editor-in-chief of Care.com. And she's also been the honor spokesperson for TripAdvisor, which is kind of cool. She's spoken in plenty of different situations and uh, on stage, and she's also contributed to uh, many articles about work life to several publications, CNN, The New York Times, uh, USA Weekend, Huffington Post, and she's appeared on dozens of television shows. She knows her stuff, and I wanted to bring her knowledge to you today. So here is my conversation with Wendy Sachs here on the Productivityist Podcast. I'd like to welcome Wendy Sachs to the Productivityist Podcast. Wendy, thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. So I'm a big believer in, um, I'm a bit of a Green Lantern fan. A lot of people uh, know that they've been listening to the show for a long time. And the Green Lantern, uh, this is more of a comic book lesson for you yeah, at this point. I, I, I oh, get you, it. You, you I get, get it. Okay. I'm, down, I'm down with comic book heroes. My <laughs> husband's a big fan of Green Lantern and all of those so, uh, DC hero comics. Yeah. So so when, you, when I see the term fear and fearless in the book Fearless and Free, um, I, I immediately gravitate towards that because Green Lantern's main enemy is, well, his weakness is the color yellow, but we'll let that cast aside. It's representative of fear. So I want to dive into, into fear during our conversation today. And, and, and the podcast, you know, the, the book is called Fearless and Free, How Smart Women Pivot and Relaunch Their Careers. I want to dive into the, the element of fear right away. And, and what what is what is the when, when women or anyone really, when they're fe- feeling fearful, how does that how does that impact, you know, a wide variety of, of, of just their lives on the whole in terms of not just the the, the, the careers, but it, it kind of infests everything, especially if they're in some place that they're not happy and fear is keeping them there, right? Sure. You know, I think really fear comes down to inertia, right? So women are much more hesitant to take some sort of action. And that we see that you know, in not only in their careers and their professional lives, but also in their personal lives. When things aren't working out for them personally in a relationship um, with a spouse, with a partner, uh, or just dating, um, that sort of fear of being alone, fear of getting divorced, fear of never getting married, whatever that may be, that fear often holds us back. I don't necessarily know if that's so much of a gender thing, but um, we do see, I mean, studies really do show, though, that women are much more um, less likely to take risks than men are yeah. because we want to be perfect, right? We want to get it right. And so we're afraid, we're afraid of failing. We're afraid of taking chances that may put us into uncomfortable places and that we can't control and that are unknown to us. And that is what I think really precipitates that kind of fear. It's interesting. As we're having this conversation, my wife has just transitioned. Not, not necessarily, not necessarily what she does, but where she does it. And, and I think that, uh, so she's an acupuncturist and she's just Uh moved on from, um, from her, her 13 year, I think it's about 13 years where she stayed at one clinic, uh, Uh where, where, you know, drawing a salary, which is very rare in, in the acupuncture space to now running her own clinic. And the, uh, what you're saying, I, I, we, we saw it firsthand and it was, and 
I think like she saw it happening. She saw it. She's like, I don't understand why I'm being so hesitant. Like, you know, you, Mike, right. you jumped from Costco with, you went from manager at Costco to door greeter at Costco uh, and dropped like, you, you didn't, you didn't bat an eyelash when you did that. Sure. You mitigated the risk a bit, but you were like, eh, I'm, I'm moving on. And I've done that countless times, right. but she had a real struggle with that. And it, it, part of it was monetary, right? Because I mean, mm-hmm, sure. And, and when I'm running my own business and, you know, paycheck, you know, it's really paycheck to paycheck, but it's sure. like, you don't know yeah. what's coming in, in a business that I run where she had the solid income, but it, it wasn't just that it was, it was the security. It was yes. the, and the comfort, probably yeah. the comfortable surroundings, knowing what to expect every day when she shows up. Right. And, and the other thing is, is she was still doing what she loved to do. How does, but the thing was the environment, it's the environment. How does environment, when, when, you know, when you're thinking about a pivot, when women are thinking about a pivot or a shift, how does the environment of where they currently are play a role into, you know, where they, you know, keeping them from moving on? Not just to, uh, because there's that familiarity there, I guess, but what, why does that hold people back in general? Like, it's just, it, it was a very interesting thing to watch because she, she loves this thing, but I watched her love for the thing she does diminish because of where she was at. Sure. Well, I think there's a few different things that are happening. I mean, women, you know, we we are we thrive in environments where we have friends, where we have a tribe of others, uh, where we feel supported and where we feel good at what we're doing and have a certain sense of peace and comfort, I think, at where we're at. So I think if you're working at a company, you're in an organization that has all of those things for you, you know, there's not a fear of the unknown. You like the people you're working with, you know, things are going relatively smoothly, but maybe you're realizing you really should move on and maybe there's not a lot of more growth that you're seeing where you are, or frankly, you're getting a little bored. But with that, that can sometimes come a little laziness because mm-hmm. like, well, I don't really know what's on the other side. And what if I leave and I don't like that job? Or what if I'm really not cut out for doing this other job? Um, you know, what if I don't like the people there or I have a bad boss? So we start really ruminating about all of the unknown and all of the um other things that could be happening. And we can be a little bit unsure if we should make a move thinking, you know, what, it's pretty good with what I've got. I'll just stay put. All is okay. I'll ride it out. My kids are young. Maybe I want to stay under the radar a little bit and not, I don't want to amp it up. You know, there's a whole bunch of reasons of why people don't take action. You know, it's much harder to actually take action. I think when you get into a place where things are terrible and you're really stressed out or you get fired, well, that's the other extreme. So that's where, you know, you have to, you have to actually make a move. It's being forced upon you. And you, um, I think maybe you see the, the downside of failure maybe isn't so great if you really don't have much further to fall. Uh, so you're more likely to take that risk. It's almost like, you know, sink or swim here. So if things are just relatively good, it could be harder to really try to make a move and push out. Do women in in, in your experience, do they sabotage current situations to move on to something new? I mean, I know I did that. I know at Costco, I basically started to tank (laughs) at my job so that it kind of, I I, I had that that pain of like, I'm not doing so well. Why am I not doing so well? Why am I tanking? Oh, it's because I want to get the heck out of here. Like, is does, do you see that happening as well? Well, 
I think that's certainly a personality, you know, a case by case. I wouldn't, you know, say like across the gender. Of, <laughs> yeah, of we just like direct things and then that get we, <laughs> that we're sabotaging our jobs on a daily basis just so we could feel forced to, to make a move. I would say probably that's not the case because, you know, I think if we're going to really have sort of a gross stereotype and, and put something, you know, on what women do in the workplace, it's that we try to get along. We're right. more collaborative. You know, we're not really um, trying to be so abrasive. In fact, I mean, I and I write a lot about this in the book. I talk about the double bind that women in leadership face and how I was called too abrasive and, you know, that I needed to dial it back. I, you know, I got this like very depressing um, performance review and they basically said, keep your head down. Don't be so loud. And that to me was my message that I needed to leave. Right. So I actually, I would, I don't think I was trying to sabotage my job. I was just, you know, being me and it wasn't well received in my workplace. And interestingly enough, my boss was a woman um, and I did try to dial it back. And I started at my next job, I started apologizing a lot and saying sorries and all of the, using all of the shrinker words that really diminish a woman's power. But because I wanted to be well-liked and not be called abrasive, um, I really tried to change my own sort of personal interaction strategy. And until I, until I realized, well, that's a big mistake too. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think, and I think what I did was like the last resort thing when you, when you just don't kind of, and, and when you, when you feel like trapped and you do something that, because it, it, it's not healthy, it's not wise to do that either. Cause you're burning bridges and you're probably, uh, you know, putting yourself, you don't want to go out like that and then come into another situation with that being the last, the, the last taste you kind of left in, in somebody's mouth. Um, my wife, yeah, you, you yeah. don't want to burn down. You don't want to burn down the house as you're leaving. No, 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 no. That's not <laughs> yeah. a good thing. It's a, not such a great strategy. No, no, I would not recommend it. Uh, no matter what gender you are. Right, uh, right. How, so, so my wife, when, when this situation came along for this new opportunity, it literally was something that popped up in her Facebook feed. This new, this new clinic, and it was very serendipitous. Um, she obviously saw it, saw the opportunity there, and took advantage of it. But you, you talk about how how we could engineer our own serendipity. Can you dive into that and unpack that a little bit? Yeah, I love this concept. And it does sound a little bit vague and it's a little hard to, you know, to try to explain. I, I give anecdotes in the book just to try to bring it to life. But really, you know, I think that concept of serendipity, we think of it, most of us really think of it as like a happy accident, right? Like great things happen. They just sort of magically happen. But actually we can engineer our own serendipity. And this has become sort of trendy in this startup world and at creative agencies, advertising agencies and places like that where they've realized that creative forces, when they collide, you know, great things unexpectedly happen. And apparently that was the origin story of the birth of Gmail, that mm. at Google, these random different people from different parts of the organization and different engineers came together. They were sitting at the cafeteria and boom, there was Gmail. And that's the concept is, is sort of like putting yourself into places where great things can happen. But it, it, you have to actually, and going back to your wife's story. I don't know the full story of her going out mm -hmm. on her own, but you know, you, she has obviously laid the groundwork, right? 13 yeah. years of working as an acupuncturist, um, you know, for, for a clinic, you know, not for herself. She, she now is, she has mastered acupuncture, right? So yeah. she's ready to rock and roll on her own. And, you know, then suddenly, I guess you're telling, you're saying before she sees an acupuncture center pop up 
on her Facebook. And is, is that when she actually decides to take the initiative and say, I'm ready, I'm going for this on my own? It was, was that her it, it, home? Well, and yeah. it, was, it wasn't just the clinic. I mean, for, it, it was interesting. She's run her own practice before and all that stuff. So she was quite happy to be in the salaried role for a long period of time. But what right. was interesting is it wasn't just an acupuncture center that popped up. It was an acupuncture, like an overall clinic looking for an acupuncturist. Oh, like it, like it. It, it wasn't even like Perfect. just, it, it, was, yeah. it was literally like, she like grabbing her by the shoulders going, Hey, Hey, you, this thing you're looking for. And I mean, obviously she has to, she had to investigate, but as she dug deep, like that was the trigger moment for lack of a better Right. Term. Right. Well, so it was like the acupuncture gods were looking down mm-hmm. upon your wife and like literally arising like, yep. in her, in her Facebook feed. Well, that's fantastic. So at that moment, so maybe if she were in a different, you know, headspace earlier in her career, that would come up and maybe she would think, Oh, that's interesting. I know someone who should take that job. Right. Yep. But now she's ready for this opportunity. So part of engineering your own serendipity is to have really an open mindset about what it is that you're looking to do and to be able to explore those other boundaries. And there's this whole, there's a lot of sort of sociological, concepts that go into this and studies and science behind this whole idea that doors open doors open doors and it's when you get yourself into the right place sometimes that's literally the right room of people at networking events and you see how your skill set may be able to overlap with someone else and you can see how collaboratively you may be able to work together or help someone else or benefit someone else and also benefit yourself in the process and you see and you're open to other ideas so it's sort of your background your experience coming together with matching your, you know, your vision of where you want to be and then seizing on that moment. The, 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 the final and most important piece of all of this, of course, is taking some action. So circling back to your wife, if she sees this popping up on Facebook, but she decides not to pick up the phone and make a phone call, well, then she will never move forward with, you know, with this project, right? So it's being able to have enough confidence in yourself at that moment to say, hey, I can do this and, or, can, you know, how can we we work together or can we meet or, you know, taking that, that starting that momentum to drive yourself, to create those great opportunities. We can actually engineer these great moments for ourselves. We need to be aware of them. Then we need to seize on them. I want, I want to dive into something that I think, um, a lot of people struggle with both men and women. And this is kind of the idea of, of branding without bragging, which you touch on, um, because a lot of people, they struggle with that. The balance, but like, where's the fine line between, okay, this is me kind of throwing, you know, putting myself out there versus this is me, you know, putting, putting myself out there to the point where it's like, okay, okay, relax. <laughs> you know, we, we get what you're doing, right? And we, and, and we know you do it well. Where's that? How do you do that? Because I think what happens is a lot of people are afraid even to brand or to put themselves out there because, you know, the more the and I think everybody comes across this where the, the, the higher you climb, you know, in, in your career ladder or, you know, in, right. in prestige, the more that, it, you know, the, the more that imposter syndrome can kind of rear its ugly head because we're human beings. Right. You know, so you feel like, okay, am I really all that in a bag of chips for lack of a better term? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a Canadianism. I love that That's term. a Canadianism I, right there. I, think, I so. love that Canadianism. <laughs> so how, how, do, how does, how I, do, I usually end at all of that, but I'm going to that bag of chips. <laughs> well, we have, di- we have different types of chips here, like ketchup chips, poutine chips. It's like, there's so many different types of chips. Uh, <laughs> so how do you, dive, like, 
How do you... chips, right? <laughs> so let's let's talk <laughs> about that a little bit. Own. Yeah, now you, now you're gonna go get a bag of chips when you're done here. <laughs> uh, absolutely, as I work out my own imposter syndrome. Um, you know, so here's the thing. I I do think that there we probably have a gender divide when it comes to that professional branding of ourselves because it does seem, and this is not just my own opinion. I mean, from studies we see this too. Um, you know, men will raise their hands for jobs. You know when they're not even, you know, not meeting all the criteria, there's this very famous study that came out from that, from, um, Hewlett Packard, you know, men will apply for a job if they meet 60% of the criteria, women will only, only apply for that job if they meet hundred percent of the criteria. So what, it, why is that? Right. So that comes down to confidence and how we feel about ourselves and that we're going to push out and we're going to go for something. So how I would relate that to even the sort of branding space is that Women do not like to boast about themselves in the same way that many men in the workplace will. I was actually just having this experience. I was in Washington, D.C., talking to 50 female attorneys, almost all of whom had worked either at the White House or the Department of Justice under Obama. So all of these women are unemployed. And they literally three months have been out of a job. And they were talking about writing their resumes. They knew their time was up after the election and they were putting their resumes together. And they were saying the guys at the Justice Department, you would have thought that they were running the Justice Department <laughs> from the way you described what it was they did. So now this is actually their own branding, right? Your resume is your brand. Um, you're putting yourself out there. I mean, maybe it's not a post on Twitter or on Instagram or on Facebook, but you know, for all intents and purposes, your resume is your professional branding, right? Right. Sheet of paper. And so they would really own all of, they were like doing everything. They were, you know, running immigration. They were, you know, civil rights, whatever the, whatever the unit they were, you know, they were, they were running that. And where the women would say, well, you know, I was, I was on that team and I went to some of those meetings. Can I, I don't know if I can really say that I did that. And so we have such a harder time with owning what it is that we've done. We like to put it all on the team rather than us. And that's a real problem because in today's world, we need to brag a little bit and we need to get comfortable with that. And bragging isn't necessarily a dirty word. You know, obviously if you're super aggressive and obnoxious about it and constantly in people's faces, well, you know, that's also just not good protocol and people just won't like that. But on the other hand, women seem to do the opposite. Opposite. And we really just hold back on what it is that we do well. And we don't like to put a spotlight on our skill set or ourselves. And also, you know, it's interesting because clearly, you know, the job that you're doing with your podcast and getting all the recognition, you are in the spotlight. And that is part of your job, frankly, at this point, is to make these lists, right? Mm -hmm. It's like to get on, to get included in an ink list. And that helps grow your business. But as these women at Justice pointed out to me, their job was not to be in the spotlight. Their boss was President Obama. Yeah. He's the boss, right? So they're actually not used to having to really, you know, brag about themselves or boast about what they've done because they truly are part of a team and it's not. So depending on the industry, it can be challenging for, um, for women to really get in front of all of this. And there's definitely also generational things happening. I mean, I've got kids and my kids have no problem with their 
personal branding. I mean, they, you know, they are out there in full force on Instagram. My teenage son even is running his own Instagram marketing company. And I mean, he's all over the place and he has, again, it's, it is part of his DNA at this point. So I do think, you know, clearly there's a fine line between being super obnoxious out there, but also, you know, we, we do need to really sort of take ownership of what it is that we do well. And if we don't have create that visibility for ourselves, particularly today, when everything is social, everything's on social media, you know, we're going to have missed opportunities. If we're not, if people are not thinking of our name, if we're not on that list, if we're not part of that conversation, that great magic, those jobs, all of those, you know, opportunities are just not going to happen for us. You know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's amazing when you start to do, when you start to take advantage of that, when you start to, you know, put stock in that, because it does things like grow your confidence. It, it allows you to do things uh, that, you know, you, you, you kind of felt inhibited to do it, which is exactly the kind of stuff you touch on. Um, I want to ask you, what, what is, what are you fearful of? And then how do you get around it? Cause I mean, I think no matter who we are, the, we might've been afraid of something before, but now we've gotten past it, but something else kind of rears its head. Is, is what, what, what still gets to you and how do you get around it? Because I think that'd be really helpful for, for my audience. Yeah. I mean, there's a few different things. It's funny. That question just came up earlier for me today with something else. And I think I'm fearful of not being relevant. I mm. think I'm fearful. I think that is what really was the origin for me writing the book was that my industries, you know, I've been in media, um, television, PR, the whole sort of storytelling. It was not called storytelling when I started, by the way, which is why I'm feeling like I could become irrelevant soon. Mm. <laughs> and it wasn't called content. It was called writing. It was called journalism. Um, my, so my industries, and by the way, I'm a solid Gen Xer, you know, I'm yeah. over 40. And, um, and so I feel like the ageism is starting is so much younger than ever before. I feel like that um, I'm becoming too expensive for my industry. And I don't want to say for companies, you know, I don't work in finance. I'm not at a hedge fund, um, places where they value people with a little more experience and can compensate them for that experience. So my fear is that the industries of media and advertising, marketing, entertainment, um, all of those have really cheapen themselves. And I don't mean in the quality of the content as much as that they're not valuing good writing or paying people for the experience that they may have because they realize that there's all of these platforms where they can get things, if not for free, they're getting things incredibly inexpensively. You know, digital has transformed the entertainment world and it's very hard for, you know, for myself, I was a TV producer and I've done some documentary work, um, but for other friends of mine in the industry to make a living anymore. Mm -hmm. So the real fear is monetizing my skill set, staying relevant in a, in a disruptive world where it's not just that the people are younger, it's that they just are not paying for experience anymore. That to me is actually very it's, it's, you know, it's a very real factor. And that's why there's this whole gig economy and people are doing 10 jobs, which by the way, is really exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it doesn't allow you to necessarily give your all if you're trying to split your focus amongst 10 different gigs. It's, it's, you're right. The gig, what, how do you, as we get closer to wrapping up, 
Yep. How uh, the big golden question. So if a woman is looking to pivot in their careers, we kind of touched on what my wife's doing to a point. She's not really pivoting careers. She just was was transferring her skills from one location really to another. That's going to hopefully um, I mean, she hasn't really gotten into it yet as we're recording this, but we'll see. By the time this episode comes out, I'll be able to say, yep, it worked or nope. You know <laughs> She's she, a success. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, how, if you were to give one piece of advice to a woman who's ready to, who wants to pivot in their career, but doesn't know where to start, what would you, what's the first thing you would tell them to do? Do something today. It really, truly is about taking some action. And so for someone, you know, for some people that could be, they need to write their resume again. They need to start from scratch. They need to um, make a first phone call to someone. They need to go to a networking event that day. They need to do something. It's taking some action, you know, wherever you meet, need to be, whether, you know, that is, you know, meeting a former colleague and reconnecting or truly like figuring out what that summary is going to be on your LinkedIn page, but do something um, because, you know, action sort of starts the momentum mm-hmm. and, you know, so much of it is truly just being paralyzed by inertia. So, and that's how we started basically saying, what does fear do? Well, to me, it creates inertia. So get over that. And then the more you do and the better you get at it, you start mastering it. And that is starting to build your confidence. And it's sort of even what you said before is you've been doing this, right? So now you're feeling really confident in your podcasts and the other things you're doing in your career now, because you're reaching that point of mastery. I mean, that's, you know, that's Malcolm Gladwell. That's, you know, but that's where confidence comes from. The more you do, the more you do. So for the woman who's trying to make her first move and trying to pivot, just start somewhere and every day do something. Make it become part of your routine. And then the more you do, you will become more confident even in the journey of it all. And that's really important. Wendy, you've done a lot in your life and and taking the time to stop by on the podcast has been been great. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, chase tornadoes jumping out of airplanes we could we could talk about all that stuff but um we got a bonus episode we're going to talk about owning your story here in a little bit for those people who are patreon supporters but you know i want people to go out and pick out your pick up your books it's not i mean obviously you have the the uh you know your first book how she really does it secrets of successful stay-at-work moms and then fearless and free how smart women pivot and relaunch their careers where else can people where can people find your work online and and connect with you if they want to keep moving forward with with these kind of uh, being fearless being free and learning how they can pivot and get past that inertia that fear brings along Sure. You can find me at wendysacks.com. Um, you can find me, um, you can find the book really. It should be in any bookstore right now. If it's not in your bookstore, find it on amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com. Um, and you know, you can reach out to me on my website also. I'm re- I respond to every email, every note, um, ping me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to respond to, awesome. and I really, I really enjoyed this, Mike. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me today, Wendy. Thank you for having me. Big thanks to Wendy Sachs for joining me today on the show. You can look at everything we discussed in the show notes. And uh, if you want to pick up her book, Fearless and Free, I highly recommend it. It's available. All fine books are sold both online and off. But if you want to make it easier and more efficient, probably Amazon's the way to go. A big thanks to John Polster for 
producing this episode and the bonus episode featuring Wendy Sachs, which you will find as a Patreon supporter, a patron of this fine show. Head over to patreon.com slash productivities to learn more about that. See how you can contribute and get that bonus content, including being a part of our exclusive Slack community. And there's tons of other perks there. So check it out. Patreon.com slash productivityist. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks to all of you for listening. And until next time, this is Mike Vardy, Productivityist, reminding you to stop guessing and start going.